Oh, I got my sauna. It's all set up. How is it? I, it's amazing. I'm completely obsessed with it. It has Netflix and Hulu. Inside? Yes. There's a screen. I can do um, insight meditation in it. It's amazing. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to have to talk to Adam about this. And we definitely have to do a podcast segment. Yes. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this week's episode, we talk about Sarah's realization that the hill is not as high as you think it is. And we will explain what that means. Then we'll revisit office roles in take two. We got a ton of feedback on that subject. And this week's Hollywood hack comes via our Facebook group. It lets you be your own graphic designer. Finally, I share my New York City celebrity sighting. But first, Sarah, we have uh, just an update, a friend of the pod update. An FOP. Yes. We talk a lot about how we do something that was called Inform Fitness, strength training. That's half an hour a week. We've had Sheila Melody on the show who is the proprietor of, of what was called Inform Fitness. Our announcement is that it's now called The Strength Code. Yes, and it's the same location. It's now a really cool purple color yeah. instead of the orange. It's the same trainers. It's just sort of refreshed and revitalized and... You know, we still go there exactly the same way. And if you're thinking of giving it a try, Sheila said, anybody who calls and mentions Happier in Holly will get some kind of free gift. Oh, good. And, you know, I mean, it is our favorite form of exercise. Yes. yes. Our friend Alex, who we've been trying to get her to go, <laughs> and she just finally went and she messaged us that she loved it. Yes. So anyway, go to the Strength Code and get a free gift if you mention Happier in Hollywood. It's in Toluca Lake. All right, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk Sub, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's this. The hill isn't as high as you think it is. Right. Do explain. Okay. So this is a Fryman Canyon thing. We have Fryman Canyon to thank <sighs> for this insight. When Violet started kindergarten, my whole plan was to start exercising in the morning. Mm. And, like, the most obvious thing to do is hike Fryman Canyon. Right. It's right by where she gets dropped off for the right. bus. Right. There, right? So it would have been, like, the easiest thing in the world. But in my head, I turned it into this—okay, let me explain. Fryman Canyon. It starts with a long, very steep hill. Mm-hmm. Now, in my head, I turned that into, like, Mount Everest. Right. Like, this horrible thing that I would be miserably clawing my way up mm -hmm. if I went and did Fryman. So, I just wouldn't do it. I would mm. put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off. And you do it, and you're just like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, it's that bad, right? Yeah. So then, finally— I go and do Fryman Canyon in the morning. I put Violet on the bus. I take the dogs. I hike Fryman Canyon. That hill is steep, but yeah. it's only 10 minutes. So, I timed it. Uh, and there are people who go a lot faster than us, so for them it's less. But, like, it's a 10-minute hill. It's totally manageable. 
It's not easy, but it's not like this miserable thing that I built it into in my head. And that stopped me from what is the most obvious form of exercise in my life. Free for months. Right. So it just made me think, like, there are things that we do that with. Yes. Whether it's— It's not just the hill at Fryman Canyon. Exactly. The hill at Fryman Canyon represents many, many, many things that seem, like, big or overwhelming or that you haven't done before— So it just made me go, I really need to confront these things Mm -hmm. when I create an obstacle. Just question, is that hill really as high as you think it is? Yeah. I mean, and I think as a team, this definitely applies to us. Because even though we say we're going to do a lot of things, sometimes they seem insurmountable and we sort of stop ourselves from starting up the hill. And I think I'm very guilty of that. Well, you know what it made me think of with you is not driving on freeways. Oh, for years. Yeah. Well, I still only like to drive on freeways, if that's what you're referring to, (laughs) that I've been on. I don't want to go on ones I haven't been on. Right. Um, Yes, probably not as hard as I think. But, like, for you, you, like, didn't get a car for a long time, and then you got a car, and then you're like, oh, I can drive in L.A., and then you didn't want to drive on the freeway, and then you drive on the freeway, and you realize, oh, I can drive on the freeway. So it's just, like— So it's just really challenging the beliefs that we have that might be limiting us. Sarah, I feel like even recently with our season two pitch for The Fix. Right. So people may not realize this, but when you have a show, very often you have to pitch to the network what season two would be when you're trying to get picked up for another season Mm -hmm. if you're not a blockbuster hit, which we are not. And very few shows are. Yes, very few shows are. Um, By the way, if you're not watching The Fix, watch it because it's really good and it's very bingeable and you can get it on Hulu or ABC.com. Yes. That is an ad. And and (laughs) please do uh, season pass it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it felt like crafting our season two pitch felt like one of those insurmountable hurdles because the stakes are so high. Right. You want to impress everyone with the pitch. But once we actually sat down with Marsha and started working on it, It all just flowed the way it always has with that show. Right. And also because we knew what we wanted it to be. Yeah. It was literally just organizing our ideas into a presentable form. Like we had all the information. Yeah. But you're right. It did seem like, oh, my God, how are we ever going to kind of, again, to go back to the metaphor, get over that hill? Yeah. And then we just started walking up the hill. Yeah. And we did it. And the thing is— In fact, the hill is awesome. And, I mean, I want to point out something else, which I think I said to you about the literal Fryman Canyon, but Uh is also true for these non-literal hills, which is that you can take a break. Yeah. You know, often climbing that hill, Fryman Canyon, I'll just stop for a second, Mm -hmm. and then I start again. And we did that with our pitch. We would—when we got to a place where we're like, what are we doing? We would loop. Yep. Often on the actual loop, we would come up with our solution. Yeah. But if not, it's okay to take a break. Yes. And the other—this meta—we are just maximizing this metaphor. That's right. But the other thing you said is that it gets easier over time. Ah. And it's so true. If that first time you do it, it's really hard— by the fifth time you do it, it's not that bad. Which, funny enough, we experienced with doing this pitch. Yeah. Because we even said to each other, we're so, like, fluid in our pitches now yeah. that, you know, it has gotten so much easier. If you think back to the first thing we worked on with Marsha to now, yeah. we're like this machine once we get into gear. Yeah. So, yeah, 
A lot of metaphors. <laughs> yes, so, so many metaphors. Sarah, are there, is this getting your mind going on anything in your personal life? Hill you want to climb? Well, yes, because, you know, Liz Dolan, who we could not love more. She was here a couple weeks ago talking mm. about her Safe for Work podcast. She's a satellite sister. She's like a huge inspiration for us. And it turns out she inspired me in some other way, which is she just recently went on this adventure vacation to Patagonia with tons of hiking and all of these things. And I see myself as that kind of person, mm. even though I'm not. <laughs> I like I don't actually do any of those things, but in my fantasy life I do. Mm-hmm. And like seeing And Violet is Oh my so god. So crazily physical. She yes. is an adventurer. And she loves traveling and I want to be the kind of mom who will just be like, "Yes, let's go on a 14-mile hike in Patagonia." So, that is definitely a hill that I'm now like, "All right, I'm going to figure out how to climb that hill and not be intimidated by it and, you know, just figure out how to do it because I think it would be so fun." Yeah, I I think it would be. I agree with you. Well, I will support Are you, you. coming? <laughs> I don't know if I'm coming, but I support your endeavor. Uh, But what's funny is I do actually think of you as someone who never goes on, like, the bunny slope first. You always start with the highest hill. I always think you do the hardest thing first. So it's interesting to me that you don't necessarily see yourself that way. Mm. Well, I'm trying to be that way. Okay. I'm working on it. All right. Well, we are going to examine our work life when we have hills that seem— too high. We're just going to start up them. Yes. And the hill, obviously, that's in front of us now, you know, is the fiction podcast hill. Yes. You and I really want to write a fiction podcast. Um, write and produce. We write and produce, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, bring to the world yes. our first fiction podcast. And it feels very overwhelming, very daunting, a very steep climb. It's a very hard thing to do well, and we don't like to do things not well. Right. But the truth is, just like you were saying, the hill in Fryman isn't as steep as you think it is. Writing is what we do. Right. And writing dialogue is what we do. And podcasting is what we do. And podcasting is what we do. So this (laughs) shouldn't be as steep a hill as we think it is. And we know a couple actors. And we know several. (laughs) So, yes, we're going to start that. That is our next hill. That's our climb. Yeah. We will report back. You all are our accountability group. Yes. Everyone listening to this podcast. And coming up, we are going to revisit office roles, but first a break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
All right, Liz, now it's time for our segment, Take Two, in which we revisit a topic we've discussed on a previous episode. So in episode 98, we talked about the various roles that people play in the writer's room. There's the builder, the problem solver, the analyzer, the font of ideas, the heart, the big idea person. All of these roles are so important. And we asked our listeners to email us or on our Facebook group, let us know what roles they have in their offices and in their workplaces. Yeah, and we got so many interesting responses. Angela emailed and said, I have been called the translator at work. People will be using lots of words trying to express a thought, idea, or feeling. People are looking at them kind of confused. Then I'll say, okay, so I think what you're saying is dot, 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 And I'll boil it down to a few clear words that capture their thought or idea. Then they say yes, and everyone else goes, ooh, it happens all the time. (laughs) Well, what a great skill to have. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because you're kind of bringing out the best in people. Exactly. And that, I think, is something we usually take TV writing things and relate them to other people. But that (sighs) relates so much to TV writing because we do we get notes from so many different people. And it's really helpful to have that person who can be like, okay, this is the note behind the note. This is what's really being said. Yeah, this is the translation. Yeah. In fact, when we talked to Channing Dungy, we were saying she's very good at just expressing the actual note. Yeah. But most people have a tough time with that. Yeah. And then Danielle from our Facebook group wrote, I'm typically the mom of the group. I'm not a mom. I think it's a compliment, mostly. (laughs) I think that's definitely a compliment. I think it's a huge compliment. And the fact that you have those sort of, I mean, doing air quotes, mom skills, Mm -hmm. it's so huge and it will serve you well if you decide to become a mom at some point. Yes, it will. (laughs) That's sort of like calming mom, nurturing. Problem solving. Problem solving, yeah. Um, A point of view is like, I mean, it's underrated, but it is so vitally important. Yes. The mom is always valued. Well, I shouldn't say that. Moms aren't valued enough, but they should be. Yes. And showrunners, by the way, often talk about bringing their skills as a parent Mm, into running a show. Yes. Now, Amy in our Facebook group wrote, Peacemaker translator. My another translator. Fir- another translator. My first job with this company was literally to be a liaison between engineering and finance. The VPs of both groups thought the other one was being difficult on purpose out of spite. So it took forever for anything to get done. By translator, I mean I can talk to engineering, finance, IT, and legal in their terminology and get them to see when they are all saying the same thing in different terms. So, again, that is a great skill to offer. Well, and knowing, by the way, that, like, everyone is saying the same thing. It's just they're not speaking the same language. Yeah. That's awesome. When in the writer's room, that happens quite often. And someone will say, I'm in radical agreement with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or take yes for an answer. Yes. Yes. Okay, and then Teresa from our Facebook group wrote, In a writing creative context, I am absolutely the font of ideas. It made me happy that Elizabeth 
Elizabeth. Must be a happier yeah. listener. <laughs> and Sarah said that was so useful because so often I feel like the person in the room who's just floating all over the place. How about this? No, how about that? No, how about this other thing? I'm like the dog in Up. Squirrel! But I've been called by several unrelated people an idea machine, working on becoming the big idea person. I tend to be good at seeing a big picture. In creative endeavors as well as at my day job, I'm also, like many of you, a connector and team builder. This week I was very happy when two of my colleagues thanked me for the way I'm running my team on a project, that I'm exactly what we need, and that they respect how much I put into getting everyone on the same page and keeping the project on track. Wow, that's nice. I know. Sounds like she's thriving in her workplace. Yay, Teresa! Laura wrote, I loved your discussion about writer's room roles. I think it was so great to think about how you can fill a gap needed in a room or a meeting and that you can evolve from one role to another as you grow in your career or when you are in a different room. I really think you could write a book using these roles. It could be a lot like Gretchen's Four Tendencies book. I think a book like this could really explode. Yay! I mean, good idea. Really good idea. I think after we do our fiction podcast. (laughs) That's a really good—that's a great framework for writing a book about television. Yeah. People are always telling us we should write a book, and we're like, oh, that sounds hard. Um, (laughs) But that's a good framework. We're going to tackle these hills now, Liz. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Anyway, thank you, everyone, for writing us about your roles at work. We hope we're going to continue our role as showrunners for season two of The Fix. Yes, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, next up, we share an easy-to-use design app for our Hollywood hack, but first, a break. And now it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, Canva. Explain, Sarah, because... I don't understand it. You know, I'm really, well, explain it. Okay. So Canva is an app, and it's sort of like a do-your-own-graphic design app. I'm trying to find, actually, the description of Canva. Well, it says design anything. And it's not free. We should say that up front. And this is also not an ad. Several people in our Facebook group mentioned using Canva to design flyers. To do their 19 for 19 list. Yes. I think a lot oh, of people right. used it for that. Yes. But yes, people use it for to-do lists. People use it for like weekly schedules. I think probably you could design a habit tracker in it. So it's just, We used it for our flyer for the... For the retreat, for the, the Happier retreat. in Hollywood you retreat. You used it, I should say. <laughs> I, I haven't even looked at it. You said, yes, that looks good. Yeah, go ahead and do that. <laughs> Um, So you can do so many things in it. You can do invitations. You can do business cards. And it's all stuff that you can then print at home if you want. You could probably take it to a FedEx office and have them print it. I don't know. But it's basically if you need something that looks well designed and well done, you want to kind of impress people. But you don't want to pay an actual graphic designer, which can be very expensive. Yes. Canva might be for you. I think it's really fun to kind of play around in. So, you know, check it out. A lot of people in our Facebook group seem to use it and enjoy it, and and I've been using it, too. Yeah, and I've been very impressed with your results. (laughs) I should try to go down that road so that I can participate, because I feel like we have more and more need for various, like, flyers and I don't even know what to call all of our little things, but we need a lot. We like our paper products. But the great thing about Canva is I think you can keep it purely digital if you want. 
Mm, so you don't have to print anything. Yeah. yeah, it's just everybody has side hustles these days. I and know. side hustles always require things that need to be designed. Yeah. So it's a great tool. And now, Sarah, it is time for this week's celebrity sighting. And it is my sighting, which I had in New York City. Uh-huh. I saw George Stephanopoulos. So cool. Yes, that was a really fun one. So and very I, New York. Like, that's yeah, a very New right. York sighting. Exactly. Yeah. So I was in New York with my sister. We did our first live show. We're doing a series of live shows for Happier called Uh Happier Hour with Gretchen and Elizabeth. (laughs) And I believe, by the way, we still have tickets in Detroit and Milwaukee. So Uh come see us in May. But anyway, we were in New York doing our first live show, and it was stressful because it's always, you know, performing is difficult and we hadn't done it yet, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we spent the entire day before our show practicing, and we went to a diner by Uh Gretchen's house. And it was so funny because we were literally, as we're sitting there eating, we're doing the show back and forth to each other over and over again. Is Um, it the diner we went to when we were doing the pilot in New York? I think it was I love that place. Yes. Yes, yes. And I look out the window, and in the middle of my little spiel, I'm like, oh, my God, there's George Stephanopoulos. I'm like, Gretchen, isn't that George Stephanopoulos? She's like, yes, it is. And it was just fun to see him because for anyone who doesn't know, George Stephanopoulos was the wonder boy who was Bill Clinton's communications director back in the day, and now he's a co-host of Good Morning America on ABC. Anyway, it was just fun because I felt like— You're really in New York. Exactly. And also, it's like, it's not at all the kind of celebrity sighting you would have in L.A. In L.A. Right. Next was, time in New, I'm in New York, I want to see Hoda Kotb. Yes. I'm obsessed with her. It was like when we saw Anderson Cooper in D.C. I was exactly. like, this is cool. Exa- it was exactly like that. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at San Cola Sound, especially the amazing Jose Alcantar. You can follow San Cola Sound on Instagram, at San Cola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So, Sarah, you know what's funny is at the end of our live show, we say onward and upward Uh together Uh because that's the tagline for happier. But every time, like, my sister and I are practicing it, I would go, it's a fun job. (laughs) So, anyway, at some point, I'm sure that's going to come out instead of onward and upward. From the Onward Project.